It's like a pain in your girl chest She been following us for years She know we the best From the projects I knew I'd make it out done Welcome to Rambulay Gourmet Rambling I'm your host Quasi Joe Blow Appreciate you guys joining me today I got a special episode today with a friend of mine We've been friends since the 10th grade and we're going to discuss how we grew up in, you know, the inner city, the ghetto. And then we went from that, that to living in the suburbs, raising kids in that environment. So I think we got a pretty interesting discussion and in talking about, you know, things from the past, transitioning, you know, to the present. So what's up, Jordan? Yeah, what's good, bro? Not much. How you feel? Hey, Sunday, raining outside. I'm just chilling, man. You oh, know, good. Just another weekend day. Not ready for work tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, so um, like I said, you know, we went to high school. We're from uh, Dayton, Ohio. We were inner city, and um, we grew up on like two different parts. We didn't grow up in the same hood, but we grew up like you know pretty separate. I know we didn't really meet each other till like we were like you know tenth grade and everything. So I'd like to just lead off kind of you giving like experiences that you had, just like you know growing up like in the inner city and not just day-to-day stuff stuff that you know in school people it doesn't have to be nothing like crazy personal with family but just day-to-day you know i mean man where to start with that you know the hood or growing up in your neighborhood and your environment like that's all you know you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. until you get up out of it and experience something different is where you kind of start like in retrospect looking back like wait a minute like i know like having kids and stuff it wasn't until like i sit well having a son and i just having and just seeing y'all kids and everybody else's kids get stuff that we didn't get it's like man our it wasn't saying like our childhood was the worst but it's like we were definitely missing certain components that were like necessary for our development it's kind of crazy to be like in our my 30s looking like this is crazy like we didn't get none of this yeah well i mean our kids benefited from that because at least mm-hmm. we was able to, you know, look back and be like, we didn't have X, Y, Z, but we're not going to let our kids go without those, like, basic necessity, mm-hmm. you know, essential things. But, uh, yeah, and what's crazy, though, is that our kids, they won't know the difference, you know? They don't, yeah. Now, this seems like, you know, I look at our kids and everybody from the, you know, uh, the, you know our kids in that generation... It seems like they talk different, they walk different, they don't act anything like us, they don't even seem to, the things that they like or that jumps out to them or the way they care. Because we were kind of like, it seems like, you know, we were hip to mature things. Like, it was like, I think everybody in the hood, they were just kind of like adults. It just, you would have to have some part of that about you to, to survive a place like that. So, you know, what was the most, like, being young, what was probably the most adulting as far as a mindset you think you took on was it for me i know it was like you know being able to just watch my environment like just getting to be in the hood and realizing like oh shit i gotta be like on my stuff or like just walking down the street if i'm not paying attention right i'll get like my ass whooped or something for no reason so what was probably one of the most adult sensibilities i guess you could say that you probably adopted you know man uh, I mean, it's a few things. One thing I would say uh, that I don't see in my kids that I had fairly young was about my appearance and having mm, the latest. Yeah, definitely. Um, like, I mean, I remember being real young and knowing, like, labels and caring mm-hmm. about it and um, the shoes on. Like, having, yeah. like, having to have a sh- certain type of shoes and brands and stuff. So that was one thing. 
that I look at my kids like they don't care about that but yeah. it was like important because like you know I don't know what's like important to my kids now but it was like that was a priority like yeah even like, though I couldn't have my own, I didn't have my own money or anything like yeah. that but it was just like fashion man but I think like it's probably hard to break down other items because like I just grew up in it and that was just the norm so it's mm-hmm. kind of hard to break down like oh what was mature but I mean, it was just like the music, you know, yeah. we had to know about the latest music and we was talking about things that we didn't even necessarily know about, like sex mm-hmm. and, oh, I know about this and this and that. So it was just a lot of elements. We was just grown for, I don't know why, but it was just that environment, I guess. Yeah. And so like, I noticed now, like what you said with like kids, like with Ethan, like we'll get him Nike or stuff like that, but we get him the sale stuff. We don't keep him like up to date. We'll, we see something. They got some nice sweatpants on sale for $20. Like, all right, bet. You know what I'm saying? We'll swoop. So it just seemed, because back in in school, you know, back in like the early 90s through like the early 2000s, it was like, well, the mid-90s through the early 2000s. If you didn't have up-to-date or if your stuff wasn't, if you wore it last season, like you getting roasted like it bad. You getting tore up. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just it was interesting seeing Ethan come out here and just sometimes throw on a pair of flip-flops or even him the other day. He, Excuse me, the other day he asked, like, can I have some Birkenstocks? And, like, you know, just can I have those little rubber ones you guys wear? And I'm like, that's crazy. It's some kid asking for Birkenstocks. Like, you know, I would have never worn no Birkenstocks. And so, yeah, man, the, uh, I think, you know, with the hood and just especially as far as parenting, I've also noticed where, uh, like, they seem to, like, in certain points, the, the diversity in friends, like, you know, they have so many different types of friends. Like, we just, I know me, it was just, Especially by the time we were in high school, it was just me, you, Leroy, Bobby, and a few. I mean, I knew other people from around the way, but like Ethan knows Asian people. He knows people from like uh, the Middle East. He knows people from Africa. It's like he knows just so many different people. So it's like this is crazy, you know, to have that many friends and you're only from that type of diversity and you're only 12 years old, you know, so. Yeah. I mean, so you said that, you know, we was from different hoods, but like. On a grander scale, we was both from the same side of town. Like yeah, yeah. West Dayton, pretty much. Yeah. And that was majority black. Yeah. So it was like, which is weird to say, like, white kids were like the minority, so to speak. So mm-hmm. to see, you know, my kids go to school out here and they got, like you said, they got Asian friends. They got, uh, and within Asian, you know, you got like Indian and, um, you know, Chinese and yeah. Korean like kids like that and then they got white friends they have black friends they have friends from like uh, African countries and stuff yeah. like that so like it is kind of and they just don't even care like they're just like this is my friend like they don't see any like this is my white friend this is my such and such friend yeah. they just roll like that I know it changed for me when we went to college like when we made friends with like you know it'd be like man I got some white friends you know you didn't really I didn't develop any relationships with white people until I went to college. It was more like a new thing for me. So do you think that, like, growing up in the hood, like, because I always appreciated how you seem to be, like, a person that embodied, like, you used to never had no shame where you were from, but you had to have an intellectual mind. You know, I think that was what I found important about our friendship and then with Leroy Bobby. Like, we just stayed with that. Do you think that if we wouldn't have, like, been in IB or, you know, the International Baccalaureate Program in high school, if we wouldn't have had certain experiences, do you think you would have been, like, where you are right now as far as, you know, you know, the... 
because I know the my, the main drivers. I didn't want to die in the hood, you know, I didn't, or I didn't want to be there like some just bum ass dude just sitting there still floating around doing the same stuff from like two thousand and two. So, I think it's a few things for me. Uh, I mean, we was in IB. Um, we weren't, I guess, ashamed or afraid to be smart kids or whatever, and like you know, achieve things. So, college was pushed on us. Um, but I think it was a few things for me, like. IB, wanting to go to school, um, yeah. you know, people around me talking about school. It's like, okay, so I want to, you know, it was pushed to you through school. Like, do you want to get this this type of job and get the title and the career? And it's like, okay, that sounds right. I want to do that because, like, I want to live like the people on TV live. Like, I want the yeah. house and, the, the, you know, the American dream, so to speak. Mm. But then also other things, like, I mean, like, I got my wife right here. I think I probably would have took a different path in life had I not, had I not met her. So, yeah, yeah. It's just a variety of things, man. But thankfully, we had that mentality to like think beyond our side of town, you know. Yeah, and so one thing I also I think is common about us is that you were different from your family. Like, you know, you had your own interests or your own identity. Do you think, like, in any case, speaking to people that may be listening to this, do you think having your own identity? from the time you're young and where you want to go is key to being able to like, you know, maybe break generational bounds that maybe keep people in the hood or keep people uneducated or whatever. It is key. Um, I would say one thing that kind of helped me with that mentality of being like myself and like getting to a point of like, if I'm interested in this, so be it. I don't care what nobody else say. Mm -hmm. Uh, My mom, when I was young, she hit me with the like, uh, who do you want to be when you get older? Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I was probably like single digit ages. I can't remember exactly what. And I'm sitting there thinking about like all the NBA players and all the yeah. all this stuff. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I can't decide. Maybe Michael Jordan or this and this and that. She was like, she hit me with like, no, you should want to be you. Jordan, good, yeah. there's only one of you. You should be you. And that was just like mind blowing to a little kid, but it stuck with me. Yeah. So it's just like, I kind of like embody that for like throughout my life of just like being me. And, yeah. you know, I think, you know, with my dad, before my parents got divorced, he dropped me off at school and it was like weird. I was kind of like, you know, he was dropping me off. You could tell he had like emotions or whatever. And he's like kind of like kind of loving on me like, man, I love you and all this stuff. And he's dropped me off at the front of the school so I can go in. And he told me uh, right before I got out, he was just kind of stopped me. He's like, hey, man, don't ever be uh, anything normal. He said, always go for the moon, like be an astronaut. Don't ever be on the ground. And that always stuck with me, man. I don't know why. It's just he said that to me, and I looked at him before he got out of the car. And, I, you know, I looked now. He was holding back tears because he knew I didn't see him for, like, another five years, six years, seven years after that because my parents got divorced or whatever. And he went back to Ohio, and I was in Texas at the time. And, um, yeah, that stuck with me, him telling me that, you know, that was like, man, I never. And then after he left, that you know, and I didn't see him for a while, that was, like, the last thing I remembered. So I kind of held on to it. So I think, yeah, that self-identity is what, you know, really takes you pretty far and being able to survive something like that now what was like you know so we can give people that's listening like you know because you grew up in westwood mostly right or was it westwood yep grew up in westwood and then moved to like dayton view area like sophomore junior high school Mm -hmm. something like that so yeah westwood was the hood for me what was the most like especially looking at what your kids have now just instability nice neighborhoods you know and all this stuff what do you see as the most missing thing for you as a point in time when you were a kid about their age? Like, what was missing that that they have that you didn't? Man, 
Um, right around Westwood, since that was probably the earlier, because I hung around, because it seemed like we hung around the same areas. We were just, I was mostly with my family. I didn't go out and play, but we were in the same area. I grew up kind of in Westwood myself, though, so, like, it was an interesting place. It was good parts, quiet parts. You see people hear about people dying, crackheads, sometimes prostitutes. It was a interesting mix of just a lot of things, drugs, alcohol, all that, you know, so. I mean, you know, they say hindsight's twenty twenty. Like, thinking back on how I felt as a kid, like, the hood was good. Like, I didn't know any better. Like, yeah. This is just a neighborhood. Like, I didn't look at it as, like, the things that were going on were bad. Like, that was just the mm. norm. Um, but as an adult, man, I mean, one thing is just, like, having living situations, like, having your own bedroom. Like, my kids yeah. got, like, bedrooms. Like, I didn't have that. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I always either shared a room with my mom until I was six or seven and then i spent yeah. most of my time like when she got with my stepdad we lived in a one bedroom half a double so it was like three in the bedroom at first and i got a certain age and it was me on the couch for like years so yeah uh i think it was just like living situations schools were which schools weren't too bad for me um again that was my normal environment so it was like the things that happened in my school it was just like no big deal to me until I got yeah. older and thought back, like, wait a minute, that shit wasn't cool. Like, the stuff yeah. that I thought was the norm, and I come back home excited to tell my friends and other people about, like, that just wasn't the norm. But I don't know. I think it's just part of overall environment, man. Like, when I was a kid, it was just the norm. It was no, no problem. But, yeah. you know, getting older, it's just like, damn, man. Like, we didn't have, like, these nice parks around or yeah. we didn't have... We had a library, but it just wasn't a thing to go to the library. Yeah, right. You know, or I don't know, it was just just a totally different environment. I mean, but played outside. We had friends. We did our thing. We had bikes and stuff like that. We weren't like dirt poor. Yeah, you know yeah. Saying, so you know, it was interesting because we were born during the crack epidemic. You know, right around the time it was peaking, and I think that was something that had a real big impact on like the environment we grew in. Because I think from like '85 to I mean, I think even like, 95, it was just on and popping as far as the things that, like, drugs, violence, and all the stuff that kind of stemmed from it. Do you, like, if you think, well, I guess it's kind of, there's the same thing. They're kind of growing up in COVID right now, you know, where it's kind of like some pandemic where it's affecting the whole world. So, do you think that uh, with them being, like, what do you think will be, you know, what are the challenges you notice that they'll face, you know, in their environments? Like, outside of COVID, because COVID's obvious, but what do you notice, like, looking at them interacting in their environments and being like man that's kind of crazy or i'm not sure about that or you know i don't know if i could pinpoint and get like real detail but they're growing up um with everything digital and mm-hmm. on demand so i don't know what challenges they're gonna face in that regard um because i mean and they're also growing up in social media so you know it's a whole different set of problems that come with that i mean yep. you hear stories of I mean, our, my kids, my oldest is nine, so he's not at that point yet, but he's interested in social media because that's what his friends are doing. But I mean, you're hearing about kids, you know, committing suicide because of yeah. stuff, depression and all that stuff from social media and things yep. like that. So I think it's going to be a lot of mental health issues that they might, or challenges they might have just from being so exposed to like a digital world. Cause that's just what they grew up in and being connected in that manner. And they probably like some social skills too, because you know, we had to interact with each other. They, yeah. they text and interact through phones and computers and stuff. But 
And isn't that interesting? So like how we had, I remember you told me one time when you were younger, you were walking home from somewhere and it's like some older men, you were just like 16, 17 or something like that. And some grown men like ran up on you and like tried to shake you down. Like they tried to beat you up or whatever and all that. Yeah. Isn't it interesting how like we went from like, you know, that was a main, cause I know my main concern was like, I never really saw a lot, like you said, going on in the hood is wrong, except for like, the I don't want to die. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be on drugs. I wanted people talking to myself or something like that. Isn't it interesting, like, how it's, like, we're having to look at them from a point of, like, man, I hope social media doesn't fuck you up, as opposed to, like, I hope some, like, random crackhead doesn't fuck me up just so they can get a hit, you know? Yeah, so that goes back to, like, your previous question, like, that's why I just said it's overall environment. It's just totally mm-hmm. different, like, yeah, like, I was walking home with a friend, and, like, you know, some, what, we was probably in high school, he probably was late teens or, like, grown men, you know, they we are, you know, when you grow up in here, you sense when something is off. So yeah, it's like, yeah. all right, man, these cats are starting to follow us. You know, they circled around, this and this and that. We didn't know what to make of it. But it's like, I'm, we live in the burbs now. My kids might not have to ever deal with that. But on the flip side, um, what my kids might have to deal with being black in the suburbs is pressure from police. Or Yeah. Uh, I mean, as we see now, you got regular citizens who think they need to enforce the law too Mm -hmm. chasing down you know black people and stuff like that specifically black men so that's what's going to be that's what i worry about most for our kids but yeah man it's just like hood man you have to worry about you know cats running down on you Mm -hmm. or uh you know shootings and random just random acts and stuff like that like Uh, christmas could put you like you knew christmas could be like man somebody could kick in my door yeah and come up in here and like wipe me out over some shit that like ain't even there so like christmas had every i know i was thinking about the playstation 5 like i know the stick up boys is over there like hell yeah you know so it's interesting with that i mean yeah man the hood like we was talking about this earlier um because um my wife's brother just stopped over, but my youngest kid just immediately opened the door. And I'm mm-hmm. like, who the hell are you opening the door for? Like, who is that? Like, I don't even know who yeah. that is. Yeah. And he said, what did he say? Um, I thought you was some random old person. I thought you were some random old person. <laughs> <laughs> and it blew my mind because, like, I was, me and the wife just started talking about when we was young, we didn't open the door for nobody. nobody. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody. If anything, we might look through the blinds, but we just don't open up the door. Yeah. So it's just like, it's just totally different, man, because like, again, environment, like, they don't know the dangers or they don't even think about just opening the door for somebody. They just open doors, whereas we didn't have our door open during the summer. Like, we, yeah. we can't see inside our house. Um, we just ain't opening doors. We're going to yeah. say, who is it? Uh, my mama said, you know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. yeah, man, it's just, uh, again, like, you don't even want people to, we, I remember we don't even have curtains or anything open because you don't want nobody, even though we didn't have shit, you don't want nobody to see you the You don't want nobody to see you, you had a bar of soap that was too good. Because <laughs> exactly. like, they might have been like, these niggas is rich. <laughs> these niggas got Ooh, soap. Yeah. I'm about to write up in their shit. So it's just like, it's just, man. And it's crazy because, like, they're comfortable with their house just being open and windows and stuff. I'm mm-hmm. still got a complex about that. No, it, yeah, I feel you on that, man. Because when the door be open or Leah leave it open, I'll come down there looking out like, yo, why she got the, you know what I'm saying? I'll be like, yo, like, I'll sometimes, if, I think I'm like cool with it now, but for a while she's like, why you shut the door? I'm like, oh, it's old habit, baby. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody be the red up in here. No unlocked doors, no none of that shit. Like, I don't care if we're in the burbs or not, which 
Speaking of that, that used to be something that we thought like, oh, you live in the burbs, you leave your shit unlocked. Man, yeah. We got our shit run up in out here too. Mm. They didn't kick our door in, but if you leave your car door unlocked, oh yeah, yeah, they run up in your stuff. So it was something you said about being able to sense when something is off. I think one thing that the hood did for me is give me a heightened sense of like, like this intuition, like you know when like you know you would know when it's like it's time to get about this story. This nigga look like he might come in to do the shooting, or you know when somebody. I was when I got into skateboarding, we was in college. I would be out late night practicing so people wouldn't see me when I fell and shit. So I remember this dude was one street over and he walked by and then he seen me and like he walked back and I knew what as soon as he I it wasn't no yeah I just picked up what it was picked up my skateboard and went in. So do you think like our kids will lack in like that instinctual drive to be able to like, you know, know their environment, that connection to just like being able to like like have a sense of like intuition about danger or like what's not right? Because I you know, the suburbs is a I think a nice place in the environment, but like out here, I've heard so many like like the drug game is crazy. Like they do way more drugs than what I, I've way more types of drugs than what I've heard. The kids go harder doing stuff, so I've heard people getting roofied, crazy, slipping all kinds of like crazy drugs and stuff. People getting three acid tabs, putting their drink, and they ain't the same no more. So it yeah. seems like it's. I guess what I'm bringing up is like, isn't it strange too that there's certain similarities to the hood, but that don't have the same effect? Like, you gotta watch your back. You know what I'm saying? You gotta have your tuition. But do you think your kids will have to use their intuition for their environment enough to be like, you know, try to survive? Like, do you think they'll have that connection? I think us as parents, that's what's gonna be a challenge for us. We, growing up in that environment, um, it became an instinct to be able to pick mm-hmm. up on those things. And what some people would call just having street smarts, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. So street smarts usually come from the inner city or the hood, whereas yep. in the suburbs, they move different. Like, yeah, there are drugs and violence and things out, but it's different because it's not all exposed or out, you yeah. know, out in the middle of the street. Yeah. Uh, whereas in the, you know, growing up in the hood or in the city, like, Motherfuckers would go outside and fight in front of that whole hood, and we all yeah. just stood outside watching. And, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And this was before we could record, but we was out there watching and or getting involved or something. Whereas yeah. in the suburbs, you know, they kind of keep that shit up under the, swept under the rug or in the house. So, yeah. Um, again, if we keep if we remain in the suburbs, they might pick up some instincts that I'm not familiar with because they moving out here and how they move out here mm-hmm. but if they do end up in a situation where they're in a city or in a hood yeah they're they gonna be lost in the sauce they ain't gonna know they might not know what to do just like yeah. uh what was them they weren't black kids but uh snow on the bluff i don't know if you ever saw that on netflix no i, I didn't watch it but i know what you're talking about shit was wild <laughs> but you had these kids running into the hood because they want to get some drugs right yeah usually you, if you're from the bird, i've seen this yeah this was a while ago yeah yeah, yeah. So they roll into the hood right get some drugs they see somebody who might sell some drugs he hop in the car them not being able to pick up on like that's probably not the nigga you want to uh do that with do this with <laughs> and let in your car yeah and if you've seen the movie or the, the documentary like he ended up robbing their ass they had a camcorder. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, they had a camcorder. I don't know why they was recording their little drug escapade of you know going in the hood, but they were. He ended up robbing them, taking the camera, and that's the camera he used to record the documentary. I do remember this, man. That was a while ago. That was like two thousand, maybe like ten, eleven, twelve. That's when we had Landon. Landon. So it was like ten. Yeah, yeah. Or no, 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 thirteen. It was like thirteen when yeah. I watched it. I don't know when it was released, but like I can see that. My kids, our kids, being those 
ones driving to the hood not knowing any better because they just don't know like we've kept yeah. them they're far removed from it so they just won't know whereas like me and they go like we know where to go we're not mm-hmm. too like i'm at the age now like i probably won't even fuck with most corner stores because yeah. like there's too many niggas hanging outside i ain't strapped i, I just know what it is yeah, so it's yeah. just like i avoid that now but when I was living in the hood and that was my normal environment, I walk right up to the AMPM like it's crazy, right? Like, yeah. shit, it's nine o'clock. It's niggas outside, you know they probably hustling and doing what they do. It was whatever, but yeah, man, I don't think my kids are going to have the street smarts or the intuition to pick up certain things, man, because they're in this like this bubble out here. You know, what I'm yeah. saying? every I think everybody has a bubble. I think this bubble though is one that gives you um, can you a false sense of a lot of things being a black person. Yeah, yeah. If you grow up in it and you don't know otherwise. Yeah. So you were saying like walking because the AMPM was some real shit. People died there or like. Man, I'm going to got shut up. Shot yeah. up plenty of times. Like. So it was crazy how we almost had like a, because I know me sometime, I'll be like, yo, I'm hungry. I'm Or I'm like, I'm going to get them that candy out that certain store and I'm going to risk my life. Like I'm going up in there. Yeah, I'm, ris- I'm going up in there. I'm getting it. So, you know, it's interesting how like when you look back on that, like, man, it was just. To go in certain spots and just to be a kid or feel like you wanted candy, you had to be ready for like certain death, especially if you knew like you like to wear Jordans or you may listen to, you know, play your music a little loud or whatever. It was like, it was crazy. Like, I feel like we really blessed, man, because people died over stuff less than what we probably had going on or just like some mishap. And I really feel like we missed like people. And I realized like why the older people would be so concerned for us. Like, you know, that'd be like, I mean, I'm all right. You know, I make my grades and I do my I thing. I don't mess with tripping. nobody. Yeah. I always thought they was tripping or that my grandmother was like just overly nervous, but it was just, um, now looking back, I was just oblivious. Like anything could have happened to me uh-huh. like, at any moment. They didn't know where I was half the time. Like I would be at a friend's house, but then we hop in the car with her sister or her cousin or, and we, Going in stores like that, my grandmother would never let me go inside of. She would yeah. say, "Oh no, that's one of the bad stores. Don't you go in there?" And I'm like, "I go in here all the time for pickles and and now like yeah, like <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I walk in, I pay, and I get my stuff. But I don't know if it's like now that I'm in my thirties and grown, should I have been more afraid as a fifteen year old? And now I'm, I would never dare. I would never go. Yeah, I, I yeah. know better. I guess I just didn't know no better. I guess it's just part of being young and dumb, but. Yeah. Now, well, I want everybody to know, this is my friend Jordan's, uh, his wife, her name is Alanae. So she's also going to be joining us in a certain part when I get done with Jordan, because she has a very big family and she has interesting experiences from the hood as well. So I'm going to spend a little bit more time with Jordan and then we're going to get into her experiences if, you know, if everybody just be patient, because I got kind of like a two mic set up. So we just got to do a little switch off real quick <laughs> and everything. So, right, so when I'm wrapping up with Jordan and everything, so do you think, you know... Like I say, like us risking our, like, you know, like I think even with some of the kids now being in the suburbs, like I think it's kind of risky sometimes us living. Because, you know, when the, the election was going on and everything and you ride around and you see all these signs and this Trump stuff and, yeah. the, you know, all police matter and all this stuff, you're kind of like, man, you know, it's crazy. Because Ethan, when it was all going down with George Floyd, he was scared to death just to run up the street. With, uh, to a guy's house that live up the street from him and one of his friends with his PlayStation controller. Like, he was really like, uh, should uh-huh. I do a bag or should I, you know, yeah. should I, you know, should I, I don't know what to do. So it's like, it's interesting how, to me, because I always say, I feel like this, the hood and the suburbs have a lot of similarities. They just don't play out the same way from people. Like, yep. it, people love it, like, like drinking. 
I thought niggas was some drinking people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Man, you get them around some white folks. No, they drink. You know what I'm saying? Like that shit is a different ball game. When yeah, come, like that shit is a sport to white people. Like, yeah, like really, who can pass? Who's gonna be able to drink the most and not pass out? And like you know, yeah, waking up in their own. I remember somebody telling me they uh, woke up with a broke leg and then they own vomit and shook that shit off like greatest night ever. So it's like. They have wild nights, but us is like, you know, somebody drinking, it turns into a, you know, somebody acting a fool and shooting up into a crowd or something. So it's it's interesting, like the dynamic of like drugs are in the same place, alcohol's in the same place, wild people, mm-hmm. rich people, you know what I'm saying? All kinds of stuff going on, but it's like the effects that, you know, it's really because, you know, when we go back, we, me and my brother were at Penn Station over by the Dayton Mall and, um, we had went and picked up a friend of mine, like she needed a, a ride from work, and we ran past Penn Station, and we seen this dude in there, and so he waves to us, and he looks like he's like fifty years old, and, and he, he was kind of like, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to use the incorrect term, but he was, you know, his mental capacity was very low, so we were kind of like, he said what's up to us, and we kind of looked at him like, cause he said it like he knew us. And so I looked at him again. I said, yo, I think, th- no, my brother said, yo, I think that's Peanut. It's this guy named we used to go to school with. And like, man, I don't know what happened to him. Like me and my brother was up in there crying. Like it was bad, man. It was like, yo, man, we like, what happened to you? Like he was like, I don't know. I, I mean, he probably had the capacity about somebody like eight years old. And he was like one of the star football players, the star at Wilbright, star basketball player. So that was the roughest that brought a tear to our eyes, man. That was like, damn, bro. Like, it got you. You didn't make it out. So it's just real rough seeing certain people. There's a guy that we went to school. I forget his name, but he, uh, I don't want to say his name out, but he's like one of the people walking around talking to himself. Like, he done, he was smoked the wrong blunt with the wrong person. You know what I'm saying? And now he just literally talking to his shoulder. And it's like crazy being kids with people and then seeing the people that we were afraid of when we were kids, like the people talking to themselves, the yeah. crackheads or the people with the messed up minds and it's like we went to school with people that are out there messed up just as messed up as those people yeah man it is making it to adulthood is weird when you or it's crazy being able to see how other people turned out and you just kind of like damn that's such and such I remember they was XYZ and now they Mm -hmm. messed up I think it goes into another thing though um, when we talk about the suburb versus the hood and that's um, when you come talk about resources Mm -hmm. Same situation can happen out here, but it's a higher chance. And also, different, um, I guess, taboos or whatever. Somebody in the suburbs end up, you know, yo, you're drinking too much, you're doing this and this and that. Mm. Parents probably got the resource to send them to rehab or yeah. get them the necessary help. Whereas in the in the hood, or if you ain't got money, or if you, even if not in the hood, if you're just poor, it's just, it's SOL. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And also... The mentality when it comes to getting that type of help, it's just like that's some white people shit, or yeah, yeah. that's rich people shit. So it's just like you just fuck. So mm-hmm. I think that's a, one of the things that's different is like resources and how you the mentality towards certain types of help. Yeah, um, plays out. But yeah, man, it's, it's hard seeing people out here fucked up. Mm-hmm. That you used to like sit in the classroom with. Yeah, like have kid feeling like we laugh, we chill. You know what I'm saying? We had like, and then to see that person, it's like, man, it ain't like that. You know, you. I don't know. That would make me paranoid. I'm like, man, you know, like it made me feel like I gotta get it because when we would see those people walking around messed up, talking to themselves or coming up to us, it would never make me feel like, ugh, get away. It would be like, 
Man, bless your heart and bless mine, because I don't know what you did to get here, man. I just hope, I don't know what happened to them. So I'm like, I don't know if it, it was like a zombie apocalypse. It's like, I hope I don't get whatever got them. I just hope it don't get me, because I don't know what is going on with some of these people, why they act the way they do. Yeah. You said something about like us being lucky or something, or something about us like being able to get out. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, man, I do feel lucky, because like you said, um, when you and they were saying like... Um, you know, just running up into stores and not knowing anything. Like, again, like, that was our natural environment. So, mm-hmm. it was like, it wasn't necessarily a risk to us. It was just mm-hmm. like, shit, I'm like, go get some candy. Like, give a fuck. Like, yep. you just rolled. But then as an adult, it's like, man, I think back on so many situations that could have went bad for me. Like, I'm, I'm lucky, you. man. Yeah. Like, I mean, just this environment, like, hustling was just a norm, right? Like, mm-hmm. you want, like, I remember <laughs> being a teenager, like, some of my goals was like, I wanted to be on dubs. Like, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, with the Monte Carlo. Yeah, yeah. You the yeah. Oh, I can't wait till I'm balling. Like, I'm going to be shitting on these niggas. Like, that yep. was like your big thing. Like, okay, I'm going to get on dubs. I'm going to get the Monte Carlo or the box Chevy. Yeah. I'm going to have this. I'm going to have the 15s in the trunk. Like, that yeah. was like something to achieve. Um, So that was like our part of our, you know, our environment, but then, then like, if someone was a hustle, like, that was nothing. It was like, yeah. you see them, when they start rolling, like, well, damn, maybe I should get on. Or, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, it's just like, there was so many things and situations or just sitting in, like, spots. Like, it was nothing that could have mm-hmm. went so bad, man. Like, I remember just hanging out I was after the clubs at, like, the BP or the Shell. Like, if you don't know, like, uh, was it the Shell? Or the, well, it was the BP and the Shell on both corners, but 3rd and Gettysburg. After the club, like the gas stations would be popping. I can't Deep, tell you many times yeah. that I've been up there and some shit done popped off. And it's like I could have easily got shot just being yeah. there. Or I could have just got stumped out just because. Like it's just I'm lucky, man. Because like I was just like I was just in the scene in the mix, just kicking it. Yeah. Not real like in my head it wasn't a risk, but now I'm older and looking back, like that was risky as hell. But it's like I think now, like no matter what hood or suburb to be black is a risk regardless yeah that's straight up man i you know i remember when i when, you know we were in the basketball and i know sometimes with me i was like just trying to hoop i would go in the bad neighborhood just to go to play i'm like i'm thinking we got in the arguments with cats talking about, i'm gonna go get my pistol you keep talking shit and all that so it's like man somebody probably should have been done shot me you know what i'm saying i think somebody should have been done whoop my like did some heinous shit to me or something and that's another thing about the hood is like you don't have much. Mm-hmm. So, like, yo, like, respect, your ego, and all that is, like, it's currency. Yeah. It's, like, currency. So, even if you are in the hood and you ain't got no piss with somebody, you, you hooping or whatever, like, you ain't going to back down. That's whole yeah. shit. You, you can't run like that. Yep. So, it's like, fuck you too, nigga. And then, like, shit pop off. Yeah, and it's cra- yeah, man. That's crazy that, like, to be in that environment where it's, like, you should die for doing something like that. And you do it anyways and live. It like I'm like that's because we would be playing ball, especially at the downtown YMCA. We it was all types of cats. I remember Keith got into a fight and he beat up this dude that was a blood. You know what I'm saying? And then my mom had to go talk to him like, just please be cool. Just be cool. The niggas kind of wild sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Can y'all please <laughs> excuse it, please? So you know. Yeah, man, I don't know. So I guess this is at the point where we're going to switch over and uh, talk to Alan A and see some of her points and views and get some things because she has very interesting perspectives as well. So just give us a sec to switch over and uh, we'll be right with you. Before we go, though, I will say um, 
you were saying it's like it's wild to see people we went to school with and like how they messed up out here. Another thing that's crazy is seeing people we went to school with and you see them on the news for like murder or I'm telling you, yeah, bids or like mm-hmm. all that stuff. Like, or they done got murdered. Like, you know, I me mean, cats we don't went to school with that either killed somebody or have been killed themselves. Like, yeah, that is wild. Like, cats I done played on organized basketball yeah, teams. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, when Ethan was first born, Lee, uh, they lived off of Philadelphia. And, you know, certain parts are good, certain parts you don't want to be in. You yeah. Know? And, uh, but they went to this park. And I remember I went over there and I was asking, like, her mom and her aunt, like, where, like, where they at? And like, they went down, I forget the name of the park. I went down there, went down there and got them. I don't know if you remember some dude named Thomas Watson. Oh yeah, yeah, I yeah. think you're talking about. Yeah, I went to elementary school with him, and uh, and I'm sorry, I don't want to mention you know any bad blood on him or nothing. I just remember he got killed at that park. You know what I'm saying? It was something. It was like whoa, you know what I'm saying? Like he got got murdered in broad daylight. So it was like nah, you got. I, I ran right like I got. We got to go, and it's so crazy. The parks are so lovely out in this in the suburb we live in now. Like everything is so nice, and you know it's just. I'm still tripped out by. It. I tell Lee and them like I ride around the suburbs. And I'll just be like, it just like once a day for just if it's 10 seconds or sometimes 10 minutes, I'm like, this shit is crazy. Like, it's crazy that we <laughs> end up, my friends, we all people that live in the suburbs. Our kids don't go through the same things. We don't live the same lives. And it's like, it's really like. The, the it, shit we saw that we thought was on, at least me, it thought was only on TV. Yeah. Like, that living or like cribs and all that. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know that shit existed here. Mm-hmm. Like, my mind was only West Side of Dayton. Like, I thought the yeah. shit I saw on TV, like, no, nobody didn't date and live like that. And then Didn't you see it and you're like, wait a minute, there's people here who make money and live like this? Like, Threw this me off crazy. that people were living well in Dayton because all I knew was the West Side. And they, they do a pretty good job in the suburbs of making them neighborhoods all tucked off into little oh, coves yeah. and stuff. So you don't know. But it was like, you get to seeing that stuff, you'd be like, yo, what? Like, you know, it made, it made me question life. Like, yo, what the, f- like, what is going on? What am I doing? Yeah, the parks, why don't you point that out? Like, the parks, each hood had like a park. And like going to the park was kind of like, oh, I don't know. Like if you didn't know how to move, it was like, nah, I ain't going to the park, bro. I don't. Like I remember in Westwood, it, it took me a while to get to a certain age before I actually started hooping up at the park. Mm-hmm. It was like, nah, we don't mess with the park, bro. Yeah, the park was like almost like to avoid, it wasn't a place for children. It was a place you can get your ass whooped or be killed or somebody find you. Just like, because. Yeah, just no reason. So interesting politics of the hood, man. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, it is what it is, though. If you, it's nothing like it. If you survive it, man, nothing like being black, and it's nothing like having that skill set that the hood can provide. Because I mean, it regardless, it, it'll make you a hustler. And it yeah, even if it ain't, if it's in a legal sense, it'll make you a hustler. Make you you know, it's just a ter- certain type of smarts that come from it. So yeah, it has its good parts, but it's good to get up out of it, man. Not be restricted to it. It is, man. It's not because I always tell people, and it's no offense to white people. It's like it's not like I want to be in the suburbs just to run around white people. I just want the resources. I want to be able to live well. I want to be able to peace of have mind, access. Yeah. comfort. Yeah, a lot of people. Because I remember when we first went out, my grandmother would say, "Like you selling out, you going, you know what I'm saying? You trying?" It was like, man, I'm just trying to make sure I don't. Because when we moved to Chevy Chase, those were income based out here. When we just would come out and like. Sometimes I would forget to lock my door out there, and then nothing like would be gone. I'd be like, "Yo, what the?" F-? It threw me off. Like, "Yo, it's really like you don't, have, you know, you can still get God out here, but it's like yeah. you don't have to be constantly over your shoulders." Over your like, shoulder. yeah, it's pretty. I more so look for make sure I ain't getting followed by the police, and I'm not. I'm a hearing yeah. to the speed limit, but like I'm not tripping over somebody like 
knocking my head off or anything. But I think that's kind of unfair. It sucks that we think like that. Like, if you want to live in a certain neighborhood, if it's not, if it doesn't look a certain way, that that's selling out. It's like, why can't I live in this neighborhood? Because I think it's nice or it's cool. I can have peace or like, you know what I'm saying? I raise my, it's just interesting. It is. So, and that's another thing that comes with coming from the hood and living to the burbs. Like, you got to deal with that from, mm. you know, family and friends and stuff of looking at you sideways sideways because you decided to live in, quote unquote, a white area or whatever. Yeah, or, that's what people what did to me. So, like, yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. It's interesting. It's a lot that goes into coming from one and living in the other. Yep. Yeah, that's straight up, man. All right. So you ready to switch up? Y'all guys ready? So, Alane, you had a, how big of a family? I know that you had a pretty big family. It was uh, all girls and one boy. You know, how big was the family you came from? Well, um, my mom and my dad, they were together for a minute. Um, they had me and two more sisters. And then before my mom and dad got together, I had a sister. So now we're at four kids. So then yeah. when they split up, my mom had two more children. My youngest uh, sister with her, and then my brother. So now we're at six yeah. children. Yeah. <laughs> so then my dad, he remarried. Uh, well, he got married, and then him and his wife had my t- uh, two more sisters for me. So that's eight, and then I had a stepbrother. My stepmom came into the marriage with a son. Oh uh, yeah, so, I remember. You t- yeah. Yes, yeah, so it was a very, very yeah, blended. Beforehand. Yeah, I said my dad had one before oh, okay. um, they got together. So yeah, all of. All of those kids and adults, that mixture, it was it was, it was a circus. <laughs> <laughs> so you were the oldest, right? You were the leader of the pack, right? At, well, with my mother. My dad had one. My um, older sister, Danny, she's about two years older than me. So is she, I know, I don't, because I don't think I've ever met her. So mm-hmm. with, um, I knew, because you lived out, you, did you live out more in Trotwood? Trotwood was kind of like a... Call it a suburban. It was like suburban place for like black people and stuff where like mm-hmm. a, they had built a lot. Yeah, did y'all? I know I, when I when we would come over there, my mom would get her hair done and stuff with by your mom. We would come over to Trotwood. How long did you live in Trotwood? Um, we moved there when I was like nine, I think, and then maybe my freshman year in high school, we moved to the house in Shallow Springs. So I guess I guess you could say majority of my childhood or my upbringing was in Trotwood area. Yeah, so I know you say that your family, they get, you know, you just had so, so many different types of people, it seems like. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So it, what was the experience? Because you were also a person I always knew that you were different. You went to Chaminade Julienne and, uh, for high school and private school and everything. And, you know, what were the experiences for you that made Because you've always kind of seemed like you had like, oh, hell no, I'm not with none of this shit. You know, like, <laughs> get the hell up out of here. So, you know. <laughs> Being from the hood, having family members that were from the hood, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. What were the experiences probably early on that had you go, like, no? Because, you know, you ever hear the story about Oprah when she was in the field and she said she was a, a little girl and she was looking at, they were in his own, you know, she lived in the shack and she was looking at her mom or her grandmother. She was doing the thing where they kind of scrubbed the clothes on the little mm-hmm. the little wooden like thing. Of, hand washing. Yeah. yeah. And so she said she remembered looking out and feeling love for it, but just feeling also feeling, I want more. This is not for me. She just knew it. Right. And that, I think that was five, six, seven years old when she said she did that. So, like, what were the experiences when you were young that gave you a sense of, like, no, like, you know, it's nothing against nobody, but this can't, I'm not going to live with this being against me. Um, 
I don't think I was that young, like five or six. I think it probably, that's a question I've never been asked before, but I know I've, I've, I can recall feeling like, man, fuck this. <laughs> before I was old enough to say, man, fuck this. <laughs> so, uh, probably when I was maybe in middle school or high school, and it was just like the different type of families that, of the kids at school with me, they, they all weren't the same. Yeah. Although we were black, yeah. we didn't all have the same story, the same upbringing, the same household dynamic. Like we all weren't being raised by single moms in the struggle. Mm-hmm. And I just knew um, that just wasn't going to be for me. Like I just didn't want to always have to struggle. I didn't want to always have to fight. I didn't want it to just be, you know, every day was it had to be hard with no peace. Like I knew just to start rejecting stuff that got on my nerves or stressed mm-hmm. me out very, very young. So I just, I got that, fuck that mentality very, yeah, very young. Yeah. Like, I'm not putting up with this. And they know I won't. Like, my family, they know it's a lot of things I won't put up with. And it's, it's I think that they prejudge, like, don't ask her. She's, like, like I'm just difficult to put up with. No, it's not that. Like, I got to protect my peace at all costs. I didn't know yeah. that's what it was called then, but I think that's what I've always been trying to do. Yeah, yeah. So were you... um with you know because i know you said you lived in trotwood mm-hmm. and but you know i know what what were you in public school or were you always in private schools um it was a mixture of both i started school in public school i think preschool then my mom put me in corpus that was another yeah. private school and then i went to residence park i think for mm, two or three school years Oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot about Residence Park. It's been a while, yeah. Yes, yes. Very, very rough. Uh, that school was... It was a, a lot going on for this to only be a one... Or maybe it was K through six. It was yeah. a lot going on with those kids to be so young. But um, then after we left Residence Park, we went to Dayton Catholic, and I finished there through eighth grade, and then went to CJ. So what we're like coming up, I'm thinking about, because you seem, everybody seems when they're about, maybe about 10 and 13, that's when they become like perceptual. You can start, you know, that sense of like, oh, this is definitely not right. Or like, this is weird. Or you start wanting to try to understand things and stuff. So what in like in your environment, it doesn't have to be like with family, like in your environment where you seeing it was like, yo, this shit is like the hood is a real thing. This is crazy. Um, I think once we moved out of, West Dayton, and I guess you could say Trywood is like Northwest. Um, and then going back, like to mm. see family members and stuff and seeing how different things were. And I was like, nah, this definitely can't be where I would come back to or want to, you know, be back in this. Always having to, like you were saying, watch over your shoulder every yeah. move. Because when we lived in Trywood, the house where your mom used to come get her hair done, yeah, yeah. we never locked our front door. Mm. no one knew that we weren't open about it but we really never locked our front door my mom just like we would just go to school we was always rushing and late and stuff but the front door was never locked like it was it was what it was we never had a break in nothing and so i remember um you uh when you went to see we didn't go to cj at the same time right right because you were a great ahead of me i think you did you go your sophomore year too? Uh, no i didn't go my sophomore okay, year yeah. So, because I know that was a pretty interesting environment. Because when I first went to CJ my freshman year, I noticed like I never seen kids that were like had money or came from it. That right. was a real interesting thing. So, was that a culture shock for you, or was that more like a like a what the? 
Because I know for me, I was thrown seeing kids pull up in Range Rover some days or see kids pull up in Mercedes or kids getting every shoe or, you know, going talking about they went to France. So it was like, what? I thought that was like movie shit. So tell me about it. It was a huge culture shock, especially to see like not only did the kids have, um, you know, the stuff that we were focused on, like the clothes, the shoes and stuff, all their needs were met. Yeah, yeah. All their needs were met. I noticed that, and I don't know if it was because, like, I'm the oldest of five, and usually when you're the oldest of that many kids, what you want and need get pushed to the back because it's about the babies. Yeah, yeah. So um, I noticed that, like, it was, like, I used to braid hair from the time I was 12 years old until Uh I had eight and at 23. Yeah. Just because it was just habit by the time I got that old, but in school it was for lunch money. Mm. These kids' parents just gave them lunch money. I didn't understand that at all, like. I thought that was a luxury that their parents mm. could afford to just give them lunch money. Like it wasn't nothing to, for them to just like some of them like, oh, yeah, my mom gives me a 20 before I get out the car. I remember that. Yeah, that <laughs> like, was like, whoa. What? Yeah. Five dollars <laughs> would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, re- I heard uh, Jordan say something that if he wouldn't have met you, he probably would have took a different path. Why do you think he feel like he said that? Like, what do you think you added to you guys' relationship? That made it to where he could have took a different route, and maybe things he where he the what he was like perceiving or what he was accepting as normal. Um, I I mainly think he's talking about just like his eating habits and how he take care of himself and stuff. Like mm-hmm. my mom did instill that in us, like to always like um, you know, care about what you're eating. And her father was sick with uh, diabetes and heart disease and different other things that came with it, but. We always had to like watch what we ate. So mm-hmm. in that sense, like Jordan does, he probably does better than I do now. Like with watching what he eats and stuff like that, and working out and stuff. And yeah. But on another, I don't know. He always says it to me, but I don't really know any deeper than that what that means. Well, I think it was part of having the, um, my perception of a private school girl. Mm-hmm. So thinking like you. Okay, I'm with this girl. She goes to she goes to CJ. You know, CJ was like, oh shit, like go to CJ. Yeah. And our head as a kid is like, that's money. Mm-hmm. Move a different way. I think it was partially that, but then also, I mean, you had certain standards and stuff like that. So it was like, but I think early on it was like, I'm dating this private school girl. Like, yeah. I got to move different. Like, yeah, yeah. And then I mean, I think just as we just kind of like started continue dating that you know you just really went with that hood shit so i knew we weren't gonna be like <laughs> continue doing that so i had to i don't know get on the grind because i remember initially i was like i gotta keep working because like i gotta be able to like take her out to eat and do stuff like that so i think it was just like a perception of you being like a private school girl but then thinking that you wasn't gonna go for this hood shit like so inadvertently it was kind of like it was a like a standard setting like you know it just kind of you were setting like standards like you know or more so not like you know you seen that she wasn't on certain stuff so you didn't you know you got on certain stuff so you didn't you know you know you could set a standard to take things forward and even like we were young probably didn't pressure girl and go out but it sounded like it was healthy for you those standards yeah i think it was give and take because i mean she also, I still had her <laughs> with me and my friends doing hood rat things. So it's like, <laughs> but that's young love though. I mean, she wanted to be around me. I wanted to be around her. But yeah. then I think at a certain point, 
I mean, I think, yeah, like you saying, it was just like a standard setting thing. Then once we moved out of Dayton, that's just when it was like, okay, we can't do that at all. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. But I was saying, though, also, like, had I not met her, I probably would have been in the streets, and I probably would have been, like, in the clubs a lot, and I probably mm. would have been messing with, like, I probably would have tried to been that guy who just had, like, all the girls or mm-hmm. just doing this and that. So that's kind of, like, the thing, like, misconception of her being a private school girl, but then also had I not had her, I probably would have just been on some dumb shit yeah. thinking, like, this is what dudes do. You know what I'm saying? So, so Nate, so with that, do you think... Cause I know you know you have y'all have three children you know three boys. Mm-hmm. I know it's definitely like oh hell no nah, that's not going on with them. So do you see like I know we all have had hood experiences or things that affected us in the hood. What's the main thing that happened to you in the hood? And I'm not asking for like anything that's like crazy personal or nothing yet. But like what were some things that you know or like that one thing that happened to you is like it's not happening with my kids. And and, and if you decided that that it wasn't going to happen for your kids. Have you seen it like positively affect them? Like what and what or what ways did it, you know, did it affect them? Well, it's just like the, it wasn't one particular moment. It was just like in the hood, it was like you didn't get to be a kid. Yeah. Well, and we all had to grow up fast and accommodate the adults and their pitfalls. Mm-hmm. Straight up. Their lack of planning and their lack of um, structure but still having to be a parent at the same time. Yeah. So we had to rise to the occasion or get eaten up by our own environment. Mm-hmm. And I feel like on the grand scheme of things, a lot of kids, they did well. Like mm-hmm. they did well adapting to their parents' pitfalls. Like we had to just grow yeah. up and deal with it. Mm-hmm. But I know that I don't really remember being a kid. And when I had one, my very first one, like I, I didn't want him to ever feel like he had too much responsibility or that he had to be um, thinking about things like finances and, you know, how much everything costs and um, not wanting to ask me because something costs a lot, but something that he needed. So that was really one of my main things that I was like, oh, hell no, I'm not going to, you're going to enjoy being a kid. I'm going to try to teach you as best I can to prepare you for out there. I don't want to keep you as a child, but I don't want you being a kid that tries to go without because you think I don't have enough to give you or I talk about money so much that you're scared to ask for whatever, like, what was that $100 uh, uh, calculator we all needed in high school? Yeah, 83. Three. Yeah, yeah. And why do y'all remember that? Because... That was not no small amount of money for your parents to come yeah. up with to pay for that. My mom world. told me, she's like, I'm not doing it. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> figure it out, go to work, do some. But I was working at Sears. She's like, do some extra days. I'm not spending 100 bucks. I was yep. the one where they had to pass them out. I had to get one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't even remember how I got mine. I feel like it might have been used. Somebody looked out for me in high school and gave me theirs, a, a older class, you know, somebody from an older class that didn't need theirs anymore. But yeah, they was not trying to come up off of that. I mean, it was five of us just in my mom's household alone. Plus there yeah. were more children. So just the whole like, okay, I'm not knocking them because I love all my siblings. But uh-huh. it's like, okay, who planned this out? Like, <laughs> no one thought about this. You have yeah. to be responsible when having kids. Mm-hmm. If it's hard with one, it's going to be hard with two. If it's hard with two, it's going to be hard with three. Like, we just kept yeah. this thing going without any like 
nobody thought about it. And yeah. it's, it's harder on us now because, of course, the cost of living and what it costs to raise a child, like, you definitely don't think about it more than your parents did. Because yeah. they, had, they had one thing we don't have. Retired parents at home that gave free health, not free health care, free uh, daycare. Yeah, yeah. The free daycare, like that's gone. Big Mama ain't at home just watching the kids no more. Like my mom <laughs> yeah. is still, you know, of working age. Retirement age is sixty five. I don't know what it was when they were coming up, but a lot of their mothers like raised us. So yeah. we don't have that. So it's like, you know, you gotta think about it. Like you don't wanna have a huge mortgage size child care bill, but a lot of parents do. So yeah. they don't be adding them kids to the plate like it's nothing. And you know, so me and Jordan being married, like there's no title 20 for us to just send our kids to daycare so we both can work a full-time job. It's just all on you. Yeah. yeah, it's all on us. Like, we're in that spot. Like, we don't make enough to just wear daycare would just be, you know, pennies out of the pot. But we don't, we're not so low that, that someone will help us with assistance with it. So we have to really think about that. Like, we couldn't keep on having kids just. Yeah, yeah. However, so that was one thing I, did, I didn't want for them. I didn't want it to get to the point where they had to think about things that they shouldn't be thinking about as a kid. I want them to just be a kid and be kind of free. I almost feel like they're a little too free. Like they just walk around <laughs> like it's just nothing. Yeah. Well, that's good. You know, and that's an interesting subject. Subject is I think the hood in a lot of points. I think we get to laugh or we watch cartoons or, you know what I'm saying? We may like candy and stuff, but like on a whole, like, like the whole cognition of dealing with the hood as a child, like you, a lot, especially depending on your situation, like childhood wasn't really, it wasn't an option almost. Like you right. know, it was survival. It was uh, taking care of your other siblings. You know, helping people go to work or you know just surviving day to day hood stuff, bills, money. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you know, like I say, you might have you might live in a neighborhood where you have to. I know living in five O's. You know they broke in our house like ten times, twenty times. So. Just to steal my Jordans and stuff. So it became like a lifestyle of every time I went in the house, I just stopped doing that. Like, I mean, even to this day, I still do that. But like when I go in the house, I check my shoulders. You know, I look Mm -hmm. over. I make sure ain't nobody watching me go in and out. Like I just, so it's like, and I was doing that from, shit, 10, 11, 12 years old. Just having to watch myself when I go in thinking, I remember being a kid and one of my worst fears from about maybe fourth grade on up to like maybe... I mean, all the way up to even high school, it was like, man, I'm going to go to sleep one day and some like person is going to be standing over me wanting some money, some shoes, or just whatever they think I got. And like, you know, that's kind of crazy to be a kid worried about like who's going to be standing over you when you got to go to sleep just to get right. recharge your body. So the childhood getting, you know, getting robbed, you know, I know that's for like my son, Ethan, I really was like, I just wanted him to be able, and I always have to tell him, man, just be a kid, like Mm -hmm. enjoy, be goofy. You know what I'm saying? Like do all you got to do, get your grades. You know, there's certain parts of being a kid. You got to handle your business, do your homework, wash your ass. You know what I'm saying? Do all these things you got to do, but you know, seeing him have a childhood, like I randomly was bugging him the other day. I know he gets tired of me, but I'll just see him sitting there living a peaceful life on his little laptop doing his homework. I'm like, man, look at you, like not having to, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> go through all kind of crazy shit just to, you know, have a life. So, you know, it's a, it's a pretty crazy to uh, see, you know, like our children get the things we didn't get, like literally get a whole life, get a whole childhood get safety on levels that was like almost un, like unbeknownst to us like this is this is what's because i know i would see ethan ethan getting off his bus stop and sometimes the bus stop would cut off the whole street so nobody could like you right. know come in and out and everything so it was 
Like, damn, they make sure these kids, you know, people be dead ass serious. Like, you better not fucking cut them off. You know, you better not mm-hmm. run this stop sign, you know, dead ass serious, like trying to protect the kids. It's all about the safety of the children. It's yeah. Like, we didn't grow up with that at it's all. It's funny you mentioned that because I remember being a kindergartner. I remember being a kindergartner and my bus stop was like around the corner up or two, like a few blocks. Yeah, yeah. And I was like five years old, mm-hmm. having to walk a couple blocks and then to the middle of my street. Mm-hmm. There was no front door. Blocking off traffic. It was like, yeah. see ya. Yeah, yeah. And you was on that bus. I mean, it's kind of like that now, but like, I'm five years old on the bus with like, what? How old is the sixth grader? 12 years old? They look like, they look huge. Yeah, yeah. And that's another thing from, I mean, that's just the bus period probably, but like, that's kind of how you grow up quick because you're hearing them talk about stuff or doing mm-hmm. things. You're kind of like, you're yep. just getting exposed to craziness at a young age on them school buses yeah i you know when we were like just when i lived in the hood and i would be riding and stuff it would always be so crazy to see like five-year-old kids look like they've been walking for a whole goddamn quarter mile or something just to get somewhere like man where is these people's it's so crazy how kids could be walking through an area like that and just having to like literally i'm like because kids don't know as much as adults know and not in the sense of like smartness i'm trying to say just like experience what's going on around them and it's like it's always been so interesting to see how, like, when you, see, you know, I would remember being up at, like, I was always a night out being 2, 3 in the morning, and you will look out the window and you see some little kids, like, you know, 2, 3 in the morning walking through the hood, and I lived in this neighborhood called Five Oaks, so it was like, that place was pretty wild at night, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it was, like, interesting to see, like, sometimes, like, seven, eight-year-old kids just standing on the corner. It's like that Dave Chappelle joke. I remember a baby was standing on the corner selling drugs. It's like, <laughs> it's crazy. Like, to see kids. And, and that's probably what they were doing. They were probably hustling, you know? Yeah. Probably doing crazy stuff. So, do you think that, uh, what is the one thing, especially being like a mom out here in the suburbs and having all boys, like, what's the one thing you're like, you know, because I know we all look and we know what we were worried about our kids if they were in the hood, you know? What's the one thing that's for you as a mother out here that's like, oh my God, like, you know, you know, that makes it feel like there's no escaping the words. Because it's no, it's, you get your pros and cons with everything. So what's the one kind out here that's like, Jesus Christ, like, I don't, you Mm, know. I don't, I don't know if I've, I've always just been real, like, helicopter parenting my children. Yeah. So I, don't really worry about one specific thing. I uh-huh. just really try to shield them. I've always been that blocker. Like, no, you can't go here. You can't go there. You can't yeah, do this. Yeah. You can't do that. So it's not one element. I feel like it. they can get eaten up by the suburbs just as well as the hood. Okay, yeah. So I don't really trust a lot of families. It ain't just, you know, That's just good. It's a, yeah, go it's here, the, yeah. go there, everywhere. No. You've seen the news. Yeah. Who is mm-hmm. the predator of the children? Mm-hmm. We're right in that shit. Okay. Yeah. So we, just, I think there's a pedophile that live right they um they live right around the corner from us. He cause it's like our neighborhood has a lot of kids. They all I'd be riding by when I would pick up leave from work in the morning, I would make fun of the kids at the bus stop. It'd be like forty. I'm like, look at Wu Tang out there, like this <laughs> out there and so but it's like at this bus stop right behind them is like uh a, a pedophile. He stays in this apartment. He was like a dentist or something. And like That's what I'm saying. It'd be the, lawyers, it'd be professionals, like yeah, yeah. always we don't even got to go there. We know who it is. So mm-hmm. we live in the suburbs. So to me, I don't know none of y'all from Adam. I didn't grow yeah, up yeah. out here. I don't know who the good families are and who's not. Yeah. So y'all not going over none of their house. Mm-hmm. 
Like it's a, he have one friend from baseball that Aiden like goes over to the house and I trust him. I got to know his mama and his dad is really cool too. And I even like the daddy's parents, but that's the only one. Like yeah. I just is I'm I don't move freely out here, so it's yeah. not like just one element to me would make me afraid for my boys. It's all of it. Because that's for, yeah. After so long, Aiden was he he'll be ten next month. Mm-hmm. The bigger and taller he gets, the more of a suspect he is. So yeah. to me, no, you won't be walking to the park. You won't be walking here and there and everywhere because I'll be damned if I have to get that call that something to happen to you because all you did was walk down the street. Yeah, and it's straight up. And so with you like that's really interesting is that you look at it like there's no there's no difference. There's danger everywhere, mm-hmm. you know. And that's what, you know, when I first came here, I think I was a little, I, I think I was like in my mid-20s when we first moved out here. Because y'all moved right after me, right? Y'all moved mm-hmm, like, a, was it a year before or after? The, I don't remember how it went. It wasn't even a year. Like y'all moved uh, one month. We might have moved a couple months later. Yeah. <laughs> we all yeah. was out here together. And it was so, my environment was so different from what I had experienced. I didn't, it had nothing to do with the people around me. It was just kind of like, man, this place is all right. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't until... I start meeting people and talking, and you hear about the crazy things specifically that rich people be on. And mm-hmm. I got a friend that waits tables. She was on one of the episodes, and like rich people are some of the wildest, craziest people. And not just on like I don't know none of their personal stuff, but they don't seem to have a perception of anything that has to do with sometimes even safety or danger or what's even a danger to other people around them. Mm-hmm. And this is other rich people. This is I'm really I'm talking about like mostly white people, and that's not like in a bad way, but like the rich people, they'll be like. They don't give a damn what hurts nobody sometime or what, you know, what goes. They just got their own lane going. Because they don't abide by the same rules, laws, and morals that we have to. That's straight up, yeah. broke, you're controlled. You get prosecuted more heavily. You can't buy your way out of a case. So it's not really about what's right and wrong it's about dollars and cents can you buy your way out of the trouble that you got yourself into yeah if you can the trouble is not that big of a deal yeah that's straight up yeah so they don't have to think about what's hurting the next person and what's gonna do damage because they got the money to clean it up or buy their way out of it no that's straight up yeah and so being that it's so like you know raising children and being from the hood and knowing that you know Cause I know I always respected your mom because she was a person that was a hustler. She had like always had like thirty different skills going on at once, like, and she would be like getting it off on all of it. Mm-hmm. I know that you know I always grew up. I thought you were like like a, not like a rich kid, but I'm like she's like you know she's a private school kid. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Do you think that your upbringing and like the things that you learned just going to school, having the mom you did, having the things you had, made you the um. The person that will be that to be able to perceive things the way you do now. Yeah, I, I think it um, definitely does. My mom, she just don't sit still. So mm. it's always a hustle, a grind. It's, it's always something. Like she always has to be busy. So, yeah. I mean, she'll to this day outwork me. It'll, it'll It's never yeah. enough for my mom. Yeah, like she's just the, the ultimate hustler, like for real. But, um, I think it was just a number of things that went into it while I watched her do all of that. Yeah. And so many people was relying on her and she's like one of the go-to people in our family and she just never got to rest. And I was like, yeah, right. Y'all not about to run me down. Like she holds it like a G. I'm not that, 
I ain't built like that. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want that. So she is always to the rescue. And I'm like, come on, y'all. Like, I, I can only take so much. But that definitely molded and shaped all of us, me and all my siblings, of how, like, we go out there, we get things done. And yeah. it's just because that was the standard that she set, but not really saying so. But we watched her do it. So you just have to get up and get it done. So do you think that set a standard? Because in the hood, like, you know, I think one of the things that really affect people, whether they understand it or not, is like laziness. I think a lot of people who are in the hood and, and that's not saying you don't work hard enough. I think mm-hmm. laziness is not always physical. It's a mental thing. You may not want to move from a point A to point B, you know, right. some like say, I think people who don't want to lose weight or do whatever they got to do to get themselves healthy because in the hood, people will die eating chicken and doing this right. stuff. So do you think that... um I almost kind of lost my point, but like, you know, that uh, getting from that point A to point B, like, you know, with your mom being a workhorse, workhorse made you be able to go to college. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because you're a really good artist as well and like self-taught in the sense, in the sense of just like took your own initiative. So Thanks. for me, I've always seen it like a person that uh, you could like, I think that's, I tell Lee all the time that I, I, I tell her that me, her, you guys and others, like, I feel like we could start a mega company because we have multiple talents multiple types of things going on so do you think your mother inadvertently with her being that workhorse and her being able to take on so many things and you know as far as like having to work do you think that put a certain type of like drive in you yeah but i don't think i like tapped into it until i had aiden Mm, because before i feel like usually when you have a mom that works like that like Mm -hmm. the kids be spoiled yeah it don't really be in them to just get up and do not really young in life anyway like i just um I didn't think that I could until I had Aiden and I'm like, well, should I have to now? I can't let him not come out on top. Like I want him to do better than me, but my good, good enough for me has to be a bar that's set high enough so that if he does do better than me, which I hope he does, he'll be straight. Like he won't have to worry about anything. And the bar was set there. Like he, he doesn't know me and Jordan, you know, we, our struggles with college. Like, he just knows that we both have our degrees. That's all he knows. Yeah. So, not that he has to get one, but you will go out here and you work at something. Yeah, yeah. So, I think that, like, with my mom, her doing the work how she had to, and then putting us in an environment where school was an expectation. It was not an option. At CJ, it was not like, are you going to college? It was, which college are you going to? So you um I, we had a conversation me and you it was uh you were living at here because you guys just moved into a nice beautiful house and uh but it wasn't here it was at a um it was at one of your I think the apartment right before you moved here we were talking about how like a lot of the generations of the women in your family they worked they had to mm-hmm. be like the people who took it on and in some ways that had its pros in some ways it had its cons do you think that um. Because what I'm trying to talk about is more like, you know, generational, like, you know, routines and patterns. Yeah. I always said that I think that, like, you know, all of us and, you know, how we went out and kind of broke those things to where, like, our family, you can say tree is just almost like a different tree now. You know what I'm saying? It's Mm -hmm. just like a total different way of how things grown or will be or how our kids will remember it. Do you think that, uh, do you contribute? Do you credit yourself with being a person, you know, that has, like, changed the family line of, like, you know, the routines, the the family tree? Um, I don't know if I, I've ever thought about it, like, me, like, giving myself credit for changing. I just, 
it's it's kind of bad to be different to me. Mm. Because once they say, you know, you know better, you do better, but it's like I'm a one eighty mm-hmm. from what they're what they are. They're not bad people. I love them to death, but it's just like we don't mesh no more because of who I've been co- who I become. So we gonna bump heads because what they think is right and what they think that I should do or different things that they like and I don't. And it's just like being the black sheep. Mm-hmm. So on one sense, I feel like I told Jordan, I think it was the other day, I said, dumb nay would have been happy. <laughs> but yeah. educated nay is like, I feel alone a little bit. Like mm. it's not, it's not like, and then you, with that isolation comes with, um, a little bit of anger, not at my family, but just how things are. And I know like where my people came from and yeah. different things that had to happen to get us to where we are now, but mm-hmm. we weren't too evolved. So a lot of work had to be done for us to even get this far. And it's like, damn, we were like leaps and bounds behind, not just... No, straight up. Not just, you know, the fact of like slavery and different things that set black people behind, but just on... just. Like different things in civilization or being an American or whatever, being a human being, we were so far behind. And it's like, what do I do with that if I now know different things and I want to apply them to my life, but it's so far removed from like the things that my parents have been through or things that even people my age and my family are going through now. I don't really know how to navigate that because I don't want to make anybody feel insecure from me not wanting to partake in what they like. Yeah. But then again, I got to be me. Yep, yep. So, I don't know. I feel like maybe it's just another family tree started in a different way of life. But then it's also like, I don't want to separate myself from them. But we just, it's just not the same. Yeah, that's where I feel like, with my, they used to call me the weird one. And, you know, they called me white boy and all that stuff. And I get the like, same thing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. hold on, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> this, this ain't that. Yeah, yeah. But. I think, you know, I know for me, I took it. I think I look at all of us and I think we're like, I call us like frontier men and women. I think we like, we're the frontier line of taking it to just a a new frontier. You know what I'm saying? I think it was not even because if we were even different or alike, I think that, I think the world changed, society changed, you know, you know, a lot of things just changed. And I think that we had to adapt because there was no way we could have like you know I think it would have been crazy for us to be living now how we did when we were kids because there's still some people you know I do photography and I went you know I did photography for your cousin actually at this place yeah and uh I did it for like one of the artists that she was managing but there were people there that I knew Mm -hmm. and uh they were still in high school it was crazy like some people so it's like if you got kids and you have a family you're you you don't have you didn't teach them anything new it ain't not even about money or any of that you didn't teach them you don't even the concept of teaching them anything new because some people were literally still sagging down to their knees and this is back when i was it was 31 two years old so it's like people still sagging acting crazy like you know i mean it it was like a kind of a club that i was in so Mm -hmm. it's like people still just posted up against the wall thugging it and it was like yo man it's like you don't want to like you don't want to not do that like you don't feel like you want to just like maybe just right. settle into yeah, something right. a little bit more new because i'm like if you gotta like i i don't have i think i call myself i say 
I'm a functioning nigga. You know what I'm saying? I, <laughs> I don't think I'm like just with the, like you know in that the sense of like oh he's just ain't nothing about nothing but some niggerish stuff. But I do think that like. I'm not ashamed of where I come from. Like, I liked certain things about the hood. I liked the way it made me think or toughness. But it had to evolve, though. It had to go on. It had to become something new. You know, like, nobody in my... I was the first to go to college out of my, like, you know, especially immediate family. I mean, out of most of my family, I was one of the first men to go. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think, you know, it's just interesting of having to be frontier people because... I think we're at a phase where we're just learning, like, you right. know, from all of this. And because nobody, we we don't have family members to tell us about what we're doing or about the suburbs or no. navigating certain things. I mean, even learning about money and finances, it just seems right. like being a... And it's no diss to them. It's like, you know, yeah, they yeah. did the best of what they had. They can't teach us nothing they didn't know. They didn't go through. So, but it's still that kind of like isolation because we're being faced with things that they have never had to even think about. Mm-hmm. But... That standard of like, if you want to evolve, you have to have some type of financial literacy. Because if you don't, you can go out here and make as much money mm-hmm. as time will let you. Mm-hmm. If you don't have knowledge of said money, it will run right through you, and you will end up back at broke. Yeah, I mean that's and like you know I, that's the one thing I'm really glad for is that you know college was one of the best things that ever happened to me socially, and it uh, it wasn't like the best thing for my like my status or anything but like it was the place where i started learning how to like genuinely you had to manage money to get through that stuff you had to learn how to be on time you had to learn how to be consistent you know what i'm saying you had to learn to stay focused for certain amounts of time so i don't know it's just a, uh i think certain things were just lifesavers so that you know and built you know, i guess what we've learned i call them life skills you know what i'm saying a lot of people that we grew up in the inner city they didn't have life skills to even teach us and that's why I think we're so extraordinary as people and friends and everything is that you know we acquired a lot of life skills and no matter how much we do or don't have of whatever we think we don't or but I think we had a lot of life skills to survive some serious situations because there were people who probably had I knew there were uh, I know some people who have more than what I had and they doing way worse than what mm-hmm. had they didn't have the skills you know what I'm saying the, right. the interpersonal skills to survive like the things that the hood did to them or being in a new environment that wasn't the hood. So, right. Yeah. Like, people, you think that you should be straight. Your parents had you with everything you needed and most of what you wanted. So, now that we're grown, what happened? Mm-hmm. You can't just give a child. You got to teach a child. Like, you got to teach them, yeah. Anything worth having, you got to work to keep it. Mm-hmm. So, if you just giving your kid whatever and not teaching them nothing... They're going to take it for granted. It's natural to take it for granted. Yeah. They're, they're kids. Mm-hmm. Hell, adults do it too. But with a kid, if it's something they've always had, it's not. Um, it's nothing special. This is just what you always do, Mom. Mm-hmm. You always buy me the new J's. You always keep me yeah. in whatever I ask for. So yeah. if you don't teach them how to go out there and get it for themselves, you are going to have a 30-year-old grown man living in your basement wondering why he can't make it because you didn't teach him how to go out there and get nothing yeah. for himself. Yep, and that's, you know, I think that, which I think because when, you know, I grew up and, you know, we were going like same place Jordan did. And it's like, I always think back when I talk to my, you know, I have two younger brothers and I go, it's crazy how there were really, you know, especially me being a man, they're like, there were really no men that taught us about that. They taught us maybe about religion or Jesus or stay out of jail, but there was no men that taught us the things that kept us from being like that bum or kept us from. It was like you had to kind of learn on your own. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's a, 
I mean, because I know a few people was like, they're like, damn, they're almost like 35-year-old, like babies. Like, they can't function. Yeah. And so I think, do you think, because the, the suburbs can be very pampering to children in a certain uh-huh. sense, especially, do you think, is there anything you do to try to make sure that it doesn't pamper them too much? Well, I always... Excuse the pandemic. Sometimes I just give them no, whatever no. to get out my face, but because we all stuck in here together. But like before, like if you want something, it's earned. Yeah. I can't just keep giving you everything. Yeah. So if you want time on your iPad, did you do what you're supposed to do? To That's get what I do. Yeah, like, it has to be everything has to be everything earned. Everything has yeah. to be earned because I, I I told I don't think it was Landon our middle one the other day he had wanted something I said you know anything me and daddy want. We got to work for it. Yeah. So guess what? If you want something, you got to work for it. Like, yep, if you don't yep. start telling them that when they're little, you too late when they 15 or 16 and you done gave them everything for 16 years straight. And then they looking at you sideways like, she tripping. She want me to work? Like, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. big enough to work now. I knew a lot of people that were spoiled when we were kids. And my mom would always say, like, that ain't going to do nothing but mess them up when they get older. Mm-hmm. And I knew, like, people who, like, literally couldn't go to college or literally couldn't like literally sit in the classroom or imagine themselves going to work and they missed all that like adult sense of like you know sensibility Mm -hmm. so like they literally some people are just like still living with their parents or they still like they need their parents to do for them and it's like it's not knocking anybody because it's a you know but i think that you really hurt if you have any kids you hurt your child or that what you're going to be able to teach them or not so yeah well, I think it's uh it's been a while, and I don't you know want to keep rambling on. I appreciate you, and I oh, appreciate no. Jordan. Thank you. And so I tell everybody this: I have to have you on so we can talk about another subject. So you know, as usual, I say we're gonna highlight you guys later. Shootouts in the hood, I gotta get away. I'm on my knees, preaching to whoever listen. We gonna make it one day. I hope you see my vision. We shall be like him.